Victor, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. It has been a while since I've seen you. Yep. Tell me what you've been up to, uh, let's see, this since, year. <laughs> since I don't know when. Year. Yeah, it's been, uh, I think it's been at least, I want to say it's been at least like four, three to four years since we last so. saw each other around there. Um, and since then, so probably a little bit since we last left, I uh, returned back to Michigan to complete my uh, undergrad at Alma College, which is uh, where I chose to go to school at. Um, and I did that for, I guess, the last year and a half. Um, yeah, I did that. So I think I had one year and a half left. So I did um, one semester. And then it, I think I went back in like winter. So I just did like one semester um, that started from January to like June, July. And I stayed in uh, Michigan for the summer. Uh, I worked. And then I came back the following year, completed that whole year, graduated. And then immediately after graduating, I um, made the decision to join the United States Marine Corps. And so I did that. That took about about almost a year for me to complete my full-time commitment to that. And then after that, I just got back to North I decided to come back home here to North Carolina in March. Um, and in March, I came back here in Wilmington, and uh, I just, I've been here with my family, work, trying, you know, find a job, and, and right now I'm currently working uh, three, 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 three jobs, jobs I think. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, working Yikes. a lot, so. Yeah, well, my, I don't, I don't, I don't have school to, you know, take up my time, I got to find know way to pay back for the school that i went to go do so yeah. well my my life hasn't been as interesting as yours <laughs> but i've just been like school 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 and uh i and miss I, mean, I miss our workouts yeah for sure yeah yeah and i mean when you're in school that's kind of how it is you know when i was in school that's the same thing i was thinking i was like man school 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 is the whole thing that i was doing but in addition to that i was also uh doing wrestling so i guess that was like a little bit the fact that i was involved in athletics kind of did give me that additional like i would say like extra things that i have to focus on on top of um you know doing schoolwork. it's funny that you mentioned that because i was just talking or emailing a teacher about how sometimes i feel that college kind of restrains us from the passions that we have you know mm -hmm. sometimes it kind of occupies our minds um yeah it's tough man anyways let's let's uh let's yeah, go let's back to on. to the so that's, yeah, that's, just, that's just what I've been up to the last uh, three, about three-ish years to school, graduated Marine Corps, and now back here in the, my hometown, which is Wilmington. And where are you originally from? So I was born in, um, uh, in, a, in a, I guess, village called uh, Chimalhuacan, which is... Uh, which is, uh, I guess last time I looked it up on a map, is right outside uh, Mexico City. Um, I want to say the uh, southeastern part of Mexico City, like right on the outskirts of that is where that is. So that's, that's where I was born. But since I was there, I haven't been back, so. And how old, so you, 
So tell me, what, exactly how did you get to the USA? Tell me that story. Take us into that story. Did your parents come first? Did you come with your parents? How did that work out? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's actually really weird just how it all happened. Uh, I just know that, you know, growing up, from what I can remember, you know, when I was young, um, it, was, it was always, from what I can remember, the very beginning was just me, my brother Carlos. He's, I have an older brother named Carlos and then uh, a younger sister named Maria. And we grew up together in Mexico, um, from what I can remember. And I think at the very, in the very beginning, I didn't even know that our parents had left us in Mexico. Wow. So it turns out that um, I didn't find this out till later. But um, our parents had left Mexico and left uh, myself and my two siblings with my aunt. Um, the, so, so I guess to take you back to the beginning again. Um, so originally, my dad decided to move to the United States um, because I think he got he got he might have gotten like mugged or something when he was in Mexico, and they threatened to kill him. Um, uh, that's a, that's a, I don't know too much detail because I just know that that was mentioned at some point that he was mugged and he was threatened that he was going to be killed if they saw like if he got you know mugged like that again and you know of course um, you know that that would scare any person in their right mind if you were told mm -hmm. that so I think since then you know he just uh, he made the very tough decision for him to to leave uh, the country and try and uh, you know go to the U S and you know try and build it, build something like he didn't know what he was going after, but he just took the, you know, took that risk, came to the U S and, uh, he, I guess him and my mother both, uh, talked about, you know, coming to the U S, um, because I guess even just living outside, you know, even from the outside looking into the U S it was always, you know, if you can make it to the U S you can have a much better life than could have been, you know, where in the situation that they were at. You know, even granted the fact that, you know, he was, he was, he'd already been threatened in his own home, um, home city. Um, so, so I think when I was, I, I guess, I, I don't even know what age I was, but it was definitely before I was seven. And it had to be probably when I was like three or four, maybe five, um, is when I start, kind of start remembering what was going on. And from what I can remember, like, I, I don't remember being with my mother whenever like you know like when you're growing up as a young kid and you know you're with your parents like I don't remember any of that with my mother um the first time that I met my my my, my mom and my dad was when I came to the U.S. Wow. so um so yeah so we lived in Mexico it was me and my siblings and my dad came first he worked for a little bit saved up enough money to then help my mom come to the U.S. Um, but around the time my mother had just given birth to my youngest sister. Um, and so when my dad finally made enough money to try and get a coyote to get my mom um, to come to the U.S. Um, and I guess for those, for the people that don't know what a coyote is, it's like somebody that helps um, undocumented uh, like immigrants, uh, I guess, navigate uh, the terrain in order to make it to to the U.S., I guess, in the most safe manner, or just... Let's you know, hope the safest way. Yeah, I hope the safest manner. Yep, and so, and so, yeah, my dad saved up enough money, and then 
uh, I want to say maybe a one year or two years after my dad came here, then my mom came. And obviously she just had her baby, which is my youngest sister, Yuri. And so my, when my mom came, she also came with my youngest sister, Yuri. So mm -hmm. then, um, and that's why the only, the all the memories that I have of my siblings are just my siblings and my youngest sister isn't included because she was already in the United States. My youngest sister came to the United States when she was like six months old. Mm. Like had my parents even known that because she came here so young, she could have been like a US citizen. Like I'd learned that like many years ago and I, and I didn't know that my parents could, you know, do that for my, for my youngest sister. Um, so my mom and my youngest sister came and you know, they, they were here. And then, so my parents, my parents plan was to save up enough money eventually so that they can get, you know, the rest of the family. So the, the ultimate goal was to get the whole family to the United States. You know, that, that was what I guess my mom and my dad's vision were. Uh, now past that, I have no idea what they expected or what, what else, but that was their plan. And, uh, that plan ended up happening, um, I think 2001, 2002 was the year that uh, we ended up coming. But I always tell this story to people that uh, um, whenever, you know, whenever I was growing up and, you know, once I started to kind of realize what's going on, like, all right, starting to get, get, a, get an identity, um, I think uh, when I was younger, I would always get made fun of, fun of because you know, my parents weren't there. And then some of the other students that I knew, you know, I was associate, I was socializing with, you know, they'd always talk about, make fun of me and, you know, tell me like, Hey, you know, you don't got parents like, or like your parents left you. And I never understood that. At least when I was young, like I would ball my eyes out, you know, it made me feel terrible. I'd be like, why don't I have parents? Why are my parents not here? And I just have vivid memories of that. And lots of like really, really sad emotions when I was young. And uh, and you know how like kids are when they're young, you know, they love to bully and all that. And so they did a lot of that um, when I was young. Um, Do you talk to your parents about that? No. no. I, Why not? No. Um, because outside of that, it didn't really affect me very much. Outside of the feelings that it made me feel at that time, um, I was actually just able to move past it pretty easily. Because I think another reason for that is because I had my aunt. And so my aunt ended up being like the, the mother figure that myself and my older brother, my, one of my younger sisters uh, kind of had. And so, although we didn't have a father figure, you know, she always, you know, did her best to help us out. We did her best to, um, to raise us for the amount of time that we were with her. I want to say it was like four years, maybe something like that. I don't know the exact number. Um, but yeah, I just remember being raised with her, you know, we go to school. And then I also have this very vivid memory of this one time when um, I guess our parents could call to the house we lived in in Mexico. And so they called um, and, you know, we'd talk. I don't know how often, but we would definitely talk over the phone. And that was kind of like, I would always be like, who am I talking to? Like, who are these people? But, they, but my aunt would be like, hey, you have to talk to these people. Like, they're your parents or whatever. But it still didn't make sense to me at the time. And uh, I think I remember specifically one conversation that I had with my dad one time, you know, they, he was telling me like, Hey, you know, you know, there's a beach where I'm at and he'd be like, how would you feel about, you know, going to the beach? And I'd be like, I don't know. 
and then he's like do you want to go to the beach and I was like yeah sure like I, I think I had an idea of what a beach was so I was like you know beach scene sounds cool like I'd like to go to the beach one day and see what that was like and so that was kind of like how they sold the whole idea of like leaving the country and going to the U.S. and obviously at the time I didn't understand exactly what that was going to entail as far as the thing that I was going to have to go through but that's just all I knew so the whole so just to give some context once I move forward with with, uh, with my story is that the whole the whole time that I was on my way to the United States my whole mentality was like all right I'm going to go to a beach <laughs> like that was that was it that's how my parents sold that idea to me and I'm assuming my siblings too right that reminds me of uh, it was many years ago that I read a story about a kid that was pretty much doing the same thing that you're doing. And his uh, goal was to go to uh, Disney World because they saw him that idea of like, there's that Disney World good. here. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, that's pretty cool. It's, yeah, it's tough. Uh, so your parents came to United States first to North Carolina and they uh, left. They actually, they actually first came to South Carolina. That was South Carolina. State. Okay. And they left you with your aunt. So as a guardian. Yes. Um, tell me about the process of you coming to the United States. How was that? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, no, after, you know, my dad told me the idea of coming, um, I remember, you know, just one day randomly, uh, my aunt had like, you know, they bought me a, a very, not, or at the time I, w I was thinking of a brand new pair of shoes, right? And as a young kid, you're like, oh man, I got a nice pair of shoes. So they bought me a nice pair of shoes. You know, they, you know, we packed uh, uh, sandwiches is, is what, 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 what was going to be our sustainment. <laughs> so I guess the food we were going to have like throughout our trip. Um, I guess I didn't even know I was going on a trip. I just know that, you know, we were giving food, we we're giving water. And we had obviously probably just small amount of belongings. So like just probably extra clothes and stuff. And, uh, and the crazy, the other crazy thing is that my, dad and my mom both saved up extra money um, for the people that were going to help us come to the United States. So they were going to help myself, my brother, my sister um, come to the United States and they paid extra money so that we wouldn't have to like walk because there's apparently, you know, whenever you cross the border, there's like, I guess, different ways to do it. And uh, the, when my mom came, uh, when she came because she had her her baby you know my youngest sister because she had her baby um she was just in a vehicle the whole time and so she was able to make it the whole way she was able to stay in a vehicle you know make it there and you know she made it and uh there's a couple ways that now you're saying i'm sorry to interrupt you but just no, as, uh, just to explain to people so yeah, one I, of them is la linea which is what your mom went through was a what car. La linea means you don't walk. That you are in a vehicle, you get a hotel, kind of like a fancy thing. Oh. Um, and Which is probably more expensive too, right? More expensive. But there's actually a more expensive one than that one. But let me go to the less expensive, which is walking through the desert. And apparently, you know what that is like, walking. Yeah. Uh, the most expensive one is express. So the express last time that I checked cost $8,000, but 
which in Mexico, if the dollar is good, it's about 900,000 900, pesos. Um, and Express is pretty much, they take you to the front steps of anywhere in the United States, to the front steps of any house that you want. But it costs uh, 900,000 pesos. La Linea, which is expensive, but you ride a car and then the desert. But continue with your with your journey. So now, so yeah, so now that I learned that, so my mom came with La Linea, so she came, you know, driving. I didn't even know the terminology, uh, and so that my my dad and my mother, when they came here, saved up money to give myself and my 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 two siblings to come meet them and you know live with them permanently. They saved up to for us to get there through La Linea because you know we were kids. And you know they wanted us to get there, you know, in a safe manner, as fast as possible, and uh, and so yeah, that was their idea of how we were gonna get there. And obviously, we didn't know what was going on because I was like seven or six at the time. And so um, it turns out that that isn't really what happened. Um, and it ended up being that myself and my siblings had to like walk um, for a pretty long distance, like. Like, I don't know the exact distance. Were you say hours or days? Oh, it was weeks. It was weeks. Yeah, we spent two weeks walking. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And you were yeah. how old? I was like, uh, I was like seven, I think. Six or seven. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, another, another thing that I, that I mentioned sometimes, which is, which this day, like, <laughs> I think it's kind of funny is that so you know how I mentioned that uh, they just bought me like brand new shoes and everything. So at the very beginning of the I guess the whole journey, um, whenever we first like like I remember we we went from where we lived like the house we lived in. I'm assuming closer to like the border of Mexico and the U.S. somewhere closer to there, and we um oh yeah uh, you know we rode a bus towards there. And then when we got off the bus, I remember it was like nighttime and, you know, we got off the bus, you know, we had our all belongings and then they were all of a sudden, like, we just start taking off walking and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I can't ask questions because I don't even know what's going on. All I know is that I had my three siblings and I, we actually had, a, I had a family member. I think it was my uncle and a cousin that were with us also. I guess they were like the ones that were taking care of us that were actual family members. And obviously they were gonna be crossing also with us. Were there more but, kids but, with you guys? Besides you guys? Not that I know of. Okay. Not that I know of, but there could have been, like I said. <laughs> My memory can, can get pretty rough with this sometimes. Um, but anyways, you know, we, we, we got off in a bus. It was, I remember for sure it was nighttime and uh, then we started taking off walking and I want to say within the first 30 minutes or maybe within the first hour, um, we were, you know, we were walking, you know, they were starting to move fast and, you know, I was a little, I've always been really short and small. And so like I started getting kind of behind and um, then all of a sudden uh, one of my shoes, I guess, falls off. I don't know if I didn't tie it well enough. Mm -hmm. I don't know what was going on, but one of my shoes fell off like during the very beginning of that whole journey. And so I spent pretty much the whole journey without one shoe. And so I was barefoot on one foot, and then I had a shoe on the other foot. And it so happened that that same very night, I ended up 
we ended up being in like an area it was like already in like a little like dirt like it was just dirt and like deserty area um and there was um i don't know what they're called you know those little um sand spurs you know what those are mm-hmm. so there was a bunch of sand spurs in the ground so like for i don't remember how long it was but i was like walking and and I kept hitting sand spurs on my foot. And I, you know, I kept, I started crying because I was like, man, this shit hurts. And, you know, um, but I, you know, I, would, I would say it to everyone else, but, you know, we, we can't stop because, you know, we have to keep moving. And so I don't know how I made it through that, but I made it through that. Um, I don't remember exactly how long we did that. But so that was like the very beginning of the whole journey. And then after that, we just walked for a long time. Um, we just had obviously, you know, someone that was guiding our group and then we were just kind of, we would move and then, you know, they would, you know, be on the lookout. Um, and then at nighttime is when, you know, we'd try to find a place to like uh, rest or lay down. Um, I remember there was like one time where we ended up uh, like sleeping in, like in some ditches. So like it was like, or like a trench. So it was like, you know, a dug, dugout right. area. Right. Um, I know we like slept there a couple times, you know, was scrunched up and I guess as low profile as possible, obviously, because I'm assuming we probably didn't want to be seen at the time. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just, I don't remember 100% all the details. I just know that it was walking. And when I asked my parents, you know, how long this took us to get there, you know, they said it took us a while <laughs> uh, to, to get to the, to the, to the U.S. And uh, I later learned that I think our walking was from somewhere near the border all the way to like um, somewhere in Arizona. I think like somewhere near Phoenix um, is where we were like walking to. And so um, we did that. I remember, you know, obviously seeing a lot of desert areas. It was just like a lot of uh, like shrubs and I don't think we ever were ever in any danger of like being caught, not that I know of. Um, we did encounter like a snake at one point. I don't know if that was a big deal or not, but I just said something I can remember for sure. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we ran out of food relatively quickly because, you know, mm. for how long we were gone and um, how long it actually took. So that was like, so I guess generally we just like walked were you know somewhere near the border of Mexico which is Phoenix um, and I think more specifically whenever we crossed the border or whatever fence whatever barrier that we had to go through to I guess officially make it to the United States I think I, I remember that I don't know why that stands out for sure but I know I always tell people you know I, I didn't like climb a fence uh, or I didn't like swim anywhere um, it ended, actually ended up being that there was a hole in the fence where I made it through, I guess. And so there was like a hole that we just made that myself and my family, we all just went through it. And I guess that was like, it. that was like us, us doing that process. Um, but then once we got to the U.S., um, then we had to walk. I don't know where we walked to. Um, and then after that walking, um, we ended up going to, I think it was like a house, maybe. And I don't know, also, once again, I don't remember exactly how long we stayed in the house. But I know once we made it all the way through, we stayed at a house um, and just kind of waited. I don't know how long we waited there, but we waited at this house. And then from that house, then eventually we got picked up by vehicles. 
I think first it was a van, then it was some like big truck. And then at the very end, it was like a van again. So it was about three vehicles. We eventually did have, you know, we eventually did get in a vehicle, but that wasn't, that wasn't. After all the walking and using your shoe. That wasn't encountering a snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we did that and we were in our, you know, we were in a car, it seemed like forever. Um, I think a trip from around like close to Mexico to, to South Carolina, North Carolina takes anywhere, you know, like 12, 13 hours in a car. And, you know, that's directly, that's not including, you know, if we had to stop and I'm pretty sure we had to stop because we weren't the, like, it wasn't just me, my sister, my brother that were in the car. So, or in the vehicles that we were going to. So then eventually, you know, we ended up making it to South Carolina. And I remember the first time I saw my parents, man, that was, that was weird. That was, I, I, will, I will say this, like, that was a really weird time for me. Um, you know, for the, for the reason that I was saying before is like, when I was in Mexico, I didn't know I had parents and kids would make fun of me because they would tell me I didn't have parents and I would like cry about it. And then when I finally met him, it was like weird. I was like, wait, it was like, they were so foreign to me because I hadn't, I didn't remember them when I was younger. And it was really like meeting my parents for the first time was when I was in South Carolina. And I remember like when I first, when I first saw them, I was like, you know, I was, you know, I was always a very shy person. So when I first shot, saw them, I was like very shy, you know, they hugged me and everything and they said hi and they introduced themselves, but it wasn't like, I wasn't excited. Like I had just made it through some, like apparently, according to my mom, I was like, we were like skin and bones. Like they, they could tell like we hadn't ate very much, you know, they're like, man, you guys were literally skin and bone. Like when you guys got here, and then you know, they also saw my foot, and they saw that it was like pretty badly blistered up from all the walking. Um, but I think more than anything, you know, they were like, yeah, they they, like, they could tell we hadn't ate for a while, and so. And you told me that your parents paid for you not to walk. So what did mm-hmm. your parents say or do? I don't know if they could do much, but yeah, after so they, they found out that so they they they, they couldn't do anything and. You know, I think the way that it, and, and I don't know, maybe you would know better than I would, but I think the way that it works is like, you have to pay in advance, right? Right. So like, there wasn't really much they could do about it. They just kind of had to accept it. And yeah. And, and you mentioned something thankfully there. Thankfully, they didn't have to do it again. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned there's something about a house where you guys stayed in a house. Well, what happens sometimes is that people pay in advance. Like you were saying, they'll pay half. And then when you get to the house, if the oh. family if the family can't pay the rest, they'll just keep you there. I'm not sure if that's what happened in your case. Oh. I'm not 100 percent sure. Maybe but I don't know. Those houses are to wait, but also for to receive the other half. And if they don't get the uh, half, they just keep you there. Keep you there until they get the other half. That's yeah. crazy. I didn't. I did not know that. It's like you're a hostage. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you're a hostage, and you're just like. God, that's crazy. Yeah, that obviously didn't cross my mind at the time because I didn't yeah. know what was going on. And when you get to um, South Carolina, uh, do you go to? Did you go to school in South Carolina, or did you guys move to North Carolina? So yeah, yeah. So as soon as we got to South Carolina, you know, I, you know, it took a little bit to get adjusted to, to being in a new place. Um, and really, I would say the biggest adjustment was getting to know my parents which is weird 
because I remember my aunt would talk to us about them, but we would never we would never have any contact. Like, I'd say my brother was probably the older one, so he probably was more attuned as to what was going on. I still kind of didn't know what was going on, and you know, being in a new country didn't help <laughs> as right. to what was going on. Um, so a lot of it was just like you know, getting to know my parents and them trying to get to know us. And so you know, we we talk and they that they'd ask questions and you know we'd answer the best we could and uh, but yes eventually you know as we started to get more settled in obviously didn't know the language at all because I'd come straight from Mexico and I was I think like seven years old around at the time and yeah but I think this as soon as they could figure out how to get us in school they did and um, I did go to second grade wait you're seven, seven, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I yeah, I did go to second grade in um, in South Carolina. So that's where I started school in second grade. I remember that. I think I had to look through my transcripts or not transcripts, but whenever I applied for DACA, they asked me a bunch of questions as far as like my schooling. So I kind of had yeah. to look that up. Uh, but yeah, I started when I was in second grade, and uh, and yeah, even going to school was weird, man, because I obviously didn't know the language and when you don't know the language like you just always feel i guess insecure because like you you can't communicate so you already feel like an outsider and then you're just like you know what am i doing here um mm -hmm. i think i had a lot of a lot of thoughts of that like what am i doing here uh, but thankfully thankfully it worked out i just remember that at first whenever i first went to school um, i actually was not I wasn't really doing a lot of schoolwork. Um, I think a very like the what I did a lot. I remember doing a lot of is I remember sitting in front of a computer a lot, mm. and 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 sitting in front of a computer and doing, I guess what seemed like playing games at the time, but mm. it was really it was really I guess um, it was more of like games geared towards learning the language. So it was mm. games that like you know they would go over words and you'd like click you know, they'd be like, you know, this word is this. Was there or, anybody you know, that, was there anybody that spoke Spanish and that taught you English or how did that work? Or did you just learn by listening to other kids? You know, that's a great question. Um, I don't think there was anybody that, well, I mean, I'm sure there was like people at the school that could communicate with us, but they didn't really teach us English, at least not early on. You know, I think once you get older, they start having the programs called ESL, mm -hmm. English as a Second Language, which I think was definitely uh, very helpful for me, um, I guess a little bit um, as I got older. But when I was younger, there wasn't very much of that. When I was younger, it was just like, I would show up to school. The, okay, I will say this, the only subject that I could always participate in because not a whole lot of uh, words like you don't need to speak or read or do anything to do with mathematics. Like for some reason that just always meant sense ever since I was a young kid. They would give us, you know, I would watch and through watching, you know, the numbers and how they go, I'll see a number and then this number. And then I would just have to figure out what the between thing is to get that third number. And like, you don't need to know how to speak to figure that out. And so I was always pretty good at math because of that. Um, but when it came to everything else, man, I was lost. Mm. And uh, um, what was I talking about? I already forgot. Oh, 
Uh, you got it, or you were no, you were. No. <laughs> oh, the talk about So you were talk. We're talking about. Was there anybody that taught you uh, mm. English? You told me that not really. That you kind of just picked it up, right? Yes, yes, yes. And I think a lot of that. I would say I owe it a lot to my siblings, man. They um, because I because we were all came here in the same situation. We all didn't know the language. I guess we kind of like challenged ourselves a lot growing up, you know, um, I'd go to school or obviously we'd all go to school. We're all in different grades. So we'd all, I guess, learn different things to an extent. And so a lot of times, you know, we'd go to school, learn probably like a word or hear a word that was interesting to us. And when we come home and we'd be like, we would be like, uh, Hey, uh, I learned this word today. And then, you know, we'd all repeat it within each other. And then <laughs> if it was like, I don't know, if it was like, you know, sometimes how there are certain words that are like insults, like, especially when you're like little kids, you can just right. like, you know, <laughs> you learn those first. Yeah, yeah, we learn those first. It's crazy how that works, right? Even in the English language, we learn some yeah. of the insult words first. And then, um, you know, we would say to each other and be like, hey, I'm, for example, I'd go up to my brother and be like, hey, I learned this word today. I was like, and this is what it means. And then there'd be some times where we would say, all right. And then there was some times where we'd call each other's bluff. And somebody would be like, hey, I learned this word and this is what it means. And then someone would be like, no, that's not what that means. <laughs> or they'll be like, no, that's not how you say that word. And, you know, we just laugh at each other and kind of, you know, be siblings for a bit. And, uh, but I would say another thing that helped me learn the language a lot when I was younger was um, television, for sure. Um, I remember we used to watch a lot of uh, like cartoons and movies with uh, English subtitles. Mm -hmm. And we just watched them. And obviously, we didn't understand what's going on. But you know, when you see people doing things like you can start picking out meanings of even if it's not the words, you start picking out the meaning of what's the situations, you know, what's going on in the situation. And then maybe you pick out one word and then we'd watch so much TV that maybe we'd see the movie again <laughs> or the show again. And then, all right, that one word made sense. So now that I have that word, so then it just kind of slowly ballooned up to like knowing certain words from them. And then obviously, you know, once we saw them in TV, on the TV, then we would use them on as much as we could on our own. Um, and yeah, and I don't know how long it took me to actually like be able to speak. So I'll be second there. I guess it, it was like two. Yeah, I guess it only took about two years for me to like be able to somewhat speak it, at least enough to communicate to another person. Now that I think about it, it's crazy. Because if I started when I was in second grade, and I remember for sure in fourth, by fourth grade, I was like definitely starting to talk to people. Right. Um, that's crazy. I just not realized that. Yeah. So about two years for me to be able to somewhat communicate with people, um, at least, you know, to like make friends or like just be in a social situation <laughs> versus right. just like sitting there and not understanding. Yeah. Um, that, that was a lot. <laughs> that was, that's, 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 uh, man, that's, that's such, that's such a long journey. Um, when you, when you got here into the United States and 
you were in school, uh, let's say middle school, high school, even elementary school, besides the language uh, barrier that obviously you had, um, were there any times that you felt like there was uh, discrimination or racism against you, your, your siblings or your family, or is that something that you did not experience? Uh, oh, oh I'd, I'd say I definitely experienced that. I, I definitely experienced that growing up uh, here, here in the United States. Um, but I don't know what it is. I guess something about me, I, I tend to be really good at ignoring things sometimes, which can also come, it can also be to a fault a little bit. But I guess since I was like young, I was just always really good at ignoring certain things. And so, you know, although obviously being called names or being told this or being told that, obviously those things really, really hurt, you know, at the time, you know, when you're young and you don't really understand what's going on. Um, I was, I guess, for some reason, just always able to, you know, move past them. But absolutely, I, I experienced those things. Um, but I didn't fully understand them. And I guess, thankfully, because I didn't fully understand them, you know, obviously, some kids would say things to you. And maybe I didn't understand some words. And maybe that was too, maybe it was kind of good that I didn't understand some things, because then it wouldn't make any sense. And that wouldn't yeah. be, I wouldn't be uh, offended. Yeah. It seems like you have such a, uh, um, such a, like a clear and like uh, perspective on things because even like how you came to the United States, like, you know, some people will be like, you know, like poor, poor me, I went through this and this and this, but now like you kind of remember it and it's, it, it's almost like, like you were saying, you ignore it and you take it as like a life lesson. Like that made me, it sucked, but I went through that and I can laugh about it now. Uh, well, how do you do that? How do you get to that point that you ignore those things and then you laugh about them? Not because they were funny, but because now you're like, man, I was so ignorant. I was so young. I didn't know what was going on. Like you were saying. Of course, of course. I think that just kind of goes through going through the struggle. Um, I would say if I wouldn't have been hurt so much when I was younger, if I wouldn't have been talked to, like talked down on, or you know because they're just saying there's like kind of like a i guess there's kind of like a saying you know like you know once you once you hit rock bottom like there's only you can only get better from there and so i feel like all the all the people that you know would always look down on me all the people that would always treat me like i was less than them like though that feeling sucks and i guess like the way that i looked at it was like well it can't get any worse than this feeling right because like this person already thinks I'm not even human he thinks I don't deserve anything he thinks I can't and sometimes you know it was true you know sometimes I didn't understand the language and I didn't know what was going on and they could laugh at me sure that was fine um but I think a lot of it is like you know once you just been through some stuff man it just I guess it just makes you tougher um and once again I think I think I'm also speaking of a lot of a lot i think a lot of it now i just always look through it through the perspective that, that i have now uh, but i think if i was if you talked to me and i was younger i could probably offer you a i would probably say something different right because just right now i see everything through my current life situation mm -hmm. so because right now i i have such a good understanding of life 
or of why things happen, um, I can say those things. But I think if you asked me when I was younger, I would probably, if I was to talk to my younger self, I'd probably say I was, I was very mad at the world when I was young. If right. I'm being honest here, I was very, I was very, I don't want, I wasn't mean. So I wasn't a mean kid. I wouldn't like lash out or do anything, you know, to hurt anybody just because I was super shy. I think if it was different, man, <laughs> that would have been rough. <laughs> I think I could have done some really stupid things, but I think the fact that I was shy kind of saved me when I was younger. Right. Because although I thought about doing bad things, I never actually did them. And like I said, because I felt so insecure about who I was, um, that brought a lot of resentment to my life when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I would just always be mad. Yeah. Have you heard of the imposter syndrome? Uh, no, I have not. What is it? Okay. So the imposter syndrome, it's something. So I kind of, I'll take you back a little bit. So we took a trip to California in the, for the honors program, went mm -hmm. to LA and we went to um, my, like a conference for minorities and we were presenting um, a panel on minorities in, at Emory and Henry. And um, mm -hmm. it was so great over there, like so many people over there, but um, I decided to kind of wander around on my own and mm -hmm. I came across this uh, presentation, which was the imposter syndrome among Latino men and immigrants, which is kind of like you were saying that feeling uncomfortable, feeling like you're different. And sometimes like you're not enough, like the things that you have done, it's, um, it's almost like saying like, you know, um, I'm not intelligent enough um, than my peers are from here that they speak English, that they are uh, citizens here. And it's kind of like this, like thinking about like the things that you do are not worth it or they're not enough, you know? Like you have, uh, you're, you can be doing so many great things, but you're like, man, like that's probably like, it's not enough, you know? Um, does that happen to you? Did that, or is that, I don't know. Now or that, that, like then? Yeah, then. Oh, I would say, I would say for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. I would always, I would definitely come up short in, or on language or, you know, I would say the wrong word or, you know, yeah. I know, I know for sure. Um, then this was probably later in my schooling. Uh, there was a time where, <laughs> you know, once you get to a certain point in schooling and, you know, you have to start, you know, doing presentations man that was that was rough that was rough early on for me yeah I, I, I mean I'm still not the greatest presenter but man I guess if you compare myself now to how I was when I was younger man it's nine day and I was I remember for sure and I think this is enough this is this is where this is where everything flipped for me as far as presenting uh I, I want to say maybe it was fourth grade or third grade one of those two grades um, there was a, a presentation I had to give on some sort of project that I did. And uh, and I just remember like freezing up when I had to give a presentation in front of a class. Wow. And I, I literally froze up and I didn't say anything. And my, sis, my teacher waited, I want to say at least a minute or two, at least it felt longer than that, but I want to say it was at least a minute just to be safe. 
at least a minute or two for me to say something. And she encouraged me and she asked me and he was like, they just kind of sat there and I just kind of took that. And I would say I've never been more embarrassed than that in my entire life. But like I said before, I think because of situations like that, where it's like, it can't get any worse than this. Like mm-hmm. I'd have to like pee my pants or something in front of everyone <laughs> for it to be worse than that. Right. But that was like the worst, the what is it, the most fear, the most anxiety, or, or I think just the most, like, embarrassment I'd ever felt my entire life was, like, one, I didn't want to present to begin with, two, I didn't know what to say, three, like, I, I just, I just froze You up. froze. Yeah, and then from there, and I was like, it just can't get any worse than that, and then since then, it's just been slowly and slowly, like, Im- trying to improve my presentation skills, um, and I I'd like to think that I've gotten a lot better at it now. I think you, I think you have. I think yeah, you have. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell me about DACA. So through this process, uh, when you got here in elementary school, I want to say even middle school, uh, I'm not sure about your high school years, but you were undocumented, right? So yeah. how did that affect you being a documented immigrant in the United States? And how did DACA um, not, I mean, not, it is not something that, that fixes, you know, it's not like a magic wand, but it opens doors that were closed prior to having that. So how was it to be an undocumented immigrant in the United States and how did DACA and explain what DACA is? Yeah. So I guess I'll start off by saying that being an undocumented immigrant in the United States, especially when you're like younger or I guess not, especially as you get older, I would say it gets tough. Um, And I would say, I'd say the number one reason is like, you know, as you get older, you know, you have to work and you have to provide income, you know, you have, you have to live off, in order to live, you have to pay, right? So it pays, you have to pay in order to live, you know, whether it's rent or whatever. I'd say that was probably the biggest thing that that affected uh, myself and I would say my brother because he was older than me so he was actually working before I was and I I can speak a lot on what it was like for him Um, you know the the jobs that you can do are are so limited Um, you know they're limited to people that are willing to give you work and a lot of times you know they're not they're not really going to be really a job that allows for too much advancement it's not going to be a job that you know allows for too much uh time off sometimes uh, a lot of times it's just jobs that you know other people just, just probably don't want to do um and so i'd say that's the, probably the number one thing is just it limits your options as far as employment goes as you get older um but even even outside of that before daca was a thing um you know, you couldn't even like get a, have a license or anything like that. Um, and that's super, I think that's super important just to like function in a society where, you know, things aren't close, things are far away or like sometimes, you know, you, you, you get involved in things that require you to travel and it's like, and if you don't have a license then that just makes it so hard. And I would say for sure, that was even hard for me. Um, even when I was growing up, like I, and I had to depend on a lot of people in order for me to live my life. 
for the for for a lot of I'd say ever since I was in like sixth grade, six yeah ever since I was in middle school, I, or I guess seventh grade I had to start depending on people to to drive me around and a lot of times it was my dad even though he worked two jobs um, he they would still try and help my brother and myself out you know we you know thankfully because we were in the school system the public school system they provided transportation um, to help us. Um, do things because I was always in our, our myself and my brother were always trying to get involved in uh, like athletics and so um, that sometimes requires you know to go to practices requires you to attend uh, attend games you know and and you know sometimes your parents have to give you rides there they have to pick you up or something like that and so my parents were always you know even though they they probably had to struggle a little bit extra they always made sure that they could take us wherever you know, wherever we needed to be uh, for those activities. And a lot of times it, there was a bus already provided. At any time there wasn't, you know, always had to, you know, make those phone calls and have somebody pick me up um, because we didn't really have a way to do that. And it's so um, crazy how that people view that, like they take that as granted, you know, because yeah. they are able to like, the way I view it is like, a pickup from a, a an american citizen like them going and picking up their kids to practice it's such mundane thing to do but mm -hmm. to us it can be either like deportation <laughs> can, uh, like getting 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 pulled over and being like hey you don't have a license and this it, it it's it can be shattering you know it's just such you view it as like a, a little drive you know yeah. like go pick up my kids but yep. to an immigrant, it's like freedom or not freedom, you know? Yeah. You're, so, taking, you're taking a risk. You're taking yeah. a risk every time you're out on the road. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, you, and so you couldn't have that um, without DACA. Um, and I guess now to explain what DACA is. So DACA is, um, is a Deferred Action for Early Childhood Arrivals. Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, yes. For child, yeah, for Childhood Arrivals. And I think it was something that was passed. It was made into law. Is it by Obama? Like yes, two thousand twelve. June of two thousand twelve. It was put into act. So that was when I was a junior in high school, by the way. Um, so it was put into act by by President Obama. And what it did is it provided, uh, it provided a deferred action status on anyone who was, I think, already in the United States and was and did not have legal documentation. So if they weren't a permanent resident or a green well, a green card holder. Um, and then I want to say that if you were in the process, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you're in the process of being deported, it would like, uh, I guess, give you amnesty for a certain amount of time, wouldn't it? Uh, I think it depended on the why you were in deportation. Because if okay. it was like a crime, like if you had like a big crime again like to get DACA there's so many requirements that like you can't be a criminal you can't have you know x type of misdemeanors uh they had you pretty much had to prove that you, it, you were worthy of having or receiving this document it wasn't given to anybody specifically yeah, yeah. for so per, children yeah and, and so DACA and so DACA wasn't really a legal status right I think that's what a lot of people kind of misunderstood about it um at least people that didn't know what it was. 
it, it didn't provide you like legal status. It just the only thing that it did is it made it so that it kind of gave you like time to not get deported, which you could even still get deported if you had DACA, by the way. So it wasn't like you will not get deported. It was like, all right, we'll consider not deporting you for this amount of time, which I think the DACA period was it is two years. It's one year now. But well, it's okay. Two years. So you, it used to be two years when <laughs> yeah. it first started, and I guess they changed it to one year now. So Correct. pretty much, you'd have to apply for DACA, and if you get it, um, you would you would have the ability to then receive a social security number that would only allow you to work, a work authorization, and because you had both of those things, that would allow you to get like a driver's license, mm-hmm. correct? And so those are the three, I would say, really big things that kind of helped uh, people like me out at the time, whenever that came out. So, and how did that change your life? How, what doors did that open? Because you were so, a junior in high school, right? I was a junior in high school at the time, right when, right when that happened, 2012. I was a junior in high school. Um, I would say, as far as the work authorization, it didn't do a whole lot for me because I didn't really work. I didn't work at the time. And it's not because I didn't want to. Um, I was just very, at the time, I, I was very, 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 very committed to athletics. Um, and to me, the, uh, I was very committed to wrestling. And so that just took a lot of time out of my days, out of my weeks. Um, right. It took a whole lot of time out of my weeks where like I just, I just didn't have the time to you know, have a, a job and I also didn't have the ability to get to a, to a job. I didn't have a car either because um, I didn't work. So it's like, you know, if I wanted to have a car, you not have to work first and I have to, you know, somehow make it to work without a car to save up to buy a car. So, you know, that would have taken time and I just didn't have that time available, especially when at the time I was competing in wrestling and in order for me to in order for me to be the best possible athlete at the time that I could be, it just required a lot of time commitment and it required a sacrifice for me to not have a car, for me to not work. Um, and so it didn't affect me much in that sense. However, around the time that I got it, um, one thing that it, I thought, was it around that time? Dig in the memory yeah. of Victor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, so I think around the time, one of the things that it definitely helped me out with was um, I would say it allowed me to go to school. Like, I don't think if, I think if I wouldn't have gotten DACA, I would not have been able to enroll in school, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, because I don't think I would have had an ID and I wouldn't have had a social security number, which I don't know if that even is even a big deal, but at least at the school that I went to, like I think they were gonna require both of those things at least. Yeah. And because I had them, that helped me out a ton. And, uh, but yeah, I would say it just helped me transition into higher education easier. I think if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't have transitioned very easily. Because then I would have been like, I would have showed up to school and, you know, they would have had about all these questions. They're like, well, why don't you have a social security number? And then, you know, I've always had to explain myself for that, yeah. which I don't think I would have mattered too much. But it was like, it just made the application process, I think, easier in, in that regard. But 
What college did you go to? Uh, so I went to Alma College, is a uh, small private institution in the middle of in the very center of Michigan. So if my hand is Michigan, it would be right there, very center of Michigan. So Michigan's kind of shaped like a mitten, is what they call it. So. Right. Yeah. So it, it was the very very center of Michigan. I went there, and the reason I went there was for um, I wanted to wrestle because, like I said, you know, I said. I mentioned earlier how um, I committed myself a lot in high school to the sport of wrestling. And uh, it was because of that commitment to the sport that I even wanted, it was, it was because of that commitment of, to the sport, I wanted to continue doing it once I was done in high school because you can only compete for uh, four years in high school. But I wanted to keep competing because I had pretty good success while I was in high school. And I was like, I think I have more to give within the sport. And so um, uh, one of my coaches that I had when I was in high school, he went over to Alma College in Michigan, which is where I went to school at, and they had just started their program my junior year. So they had a fresh program and they were like, you know, like, you wanna be part of history? And I was like, yes, I do. And, you know, so, so I went and visited there and, and I went there and after like, one after visiting there I was like man you know there's it's, there's good people here they have facilities for me to really grow as an individual I felt like and so you know it was a big risk that I took and uh, it was a it, it placed a big financial burden on myself and my mother because she was helping me out a lot um, but I think that just the experience of like going you know being in your own and and, and going through school and athletics uh, at the collegiate level is, it's almost priceless because, uh, you know, I went through some highs and some lows there. And, and had I not gone through those, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. So um, I'll always look back at those and be like, all right, this was not so smart of me or be like, all right, this is where I was doing really good. And so I could be like, this is what I'm gonna continue to do because I already did it, you know, so, you know, I'd say that experience was 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 good nonetheless. And how, yeah, that, that how, definitely helped me with that a little bit. How was that college application? Did you have to fill that on your own? Did you have somebody to help you? Because I, I've done the college application in FAFSA, and it's tricky and it's hard. Uh, so oh, for sure, how did you figure that out? And actually, I actually want to talk a little bit about the financial struggle or the burden that you said because. It was such a burden that you had to pretty much stop college, right? For for a couple, mm -hmm. for a little bit, and but then you twice. came back <laughs> twice. Twice, twice. So, I had to do that. So twice. tell me, tell us a little bit about that, the college application, and this kind of pause that you had in your college uh, experience. Absolutely. So, so the college application for me, I think it was it was pretty easy. I was always like pretty good with computer. I didn't have a computer for most of my life. So whenever I first started, I think I took three computer classes in high school and that got me pretty acquainted with computers. And I was always a big fan of them. And I like video games. So I was like, I like computers. And I think that gave me an advantage when it came to like filling out applications because I knew how to navigate pretty much technology relatively well. And so whenever it came down, you know, I just read instructions and then I followed the instructions and then I just did that. By yourself. Yeah, I had to, I had to pretty much do it by myself. 
Um, but I think the high school that I went to, they just provided a lot of resources outside. So I think before I even filled out my application, I probably had like four or five different, sorry, four or five different, uh, what is it? Four or five separate different times where someone from the school talked to a class and talked them through like how to apply for college, how to go to FAFSA, how to do all that right. stuff, or watch videos on it. Because, you know, they encourage that. Um, and so I guess I just kind of I paid attention when that happens. And that's what helped me. Once it came down to doing it for myself, I was like, all right, all right. I think I can, I think I can figure this out. And so... Yeah, that's pretty much all it was. It was just listening to people telling you how to do it and then just actually just doing it yourself. So, um, and then and then anytime, and like I said, because of the college that I went to and I'd already visited when I applied, um, I always had someone that I could call and ask questions and they knew how to, they need the answer. So I'd say that helped out too is the fact that even though I was filling it out, I still had resources to like ask questions like, Maybe I don't know what to put on like FAFSA or I don't know how to, you know, what do they mean by dependence? What do they mean by, you know, this or that? And so I think just reading, <laughs> the fact that I could read as well helped me do the, 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 the application. And then, so yeah, so even before going to college, um, I had to think obviously a lot about finances, right? right. Because college is something that can be very expensive and i think it's getting even more expensive nowadays like it's it's crazy that it's still continue like the price of college is still continuing to go up um and even at the time for me it was like a lot and like for me the one thing that i felt that i knew would help me a lot so another thing about being undocumented is that you don't qualify for a lot so there are these things called pell grants that low income uh i think families can qualify for if you're a permanent resident or a U.S. citizen okay. and uh, right before I went to college so right or also around the same time that I that doctor came out I came across a lawyer that um, stated that they would be able to help me um, and I guess only me um, they would potentially be able to help me find a pathway to citizenship and uh, it's crazy how that came about too, but so I, so I came across them and I think it took like a couple months of us like talking and obviously me asking questions as to like what needed to happen. And it just so happened that they're just where everything just worked, worked itself out. So I, I needed, I learned that in order for me to gain a pathway to citizenship, I had to get adopted by a U.S. citizen. And then through that, then I would be able to apply for my green card. And then I learned after that, that with my green card, I would uh, qualify for, like I said, for Pell Grants or any other you know, scholarships that uh, uh, sometimes are only available to those who are permanent residents. Um, and so that was kind of like my ticket for me. I was like, man, you know, all these things I'll be able to do. And, you know, at the time, it got me all excited about like, one, I'll get to compete. Two, I'll get to, uh, I'll get to, I'll get to, you know, get my education. And three, you know, I'll actually receive some financial assistance to make this happen. And uh, 
And so that was kind of my plan. You know, I, 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 I made my decision based on those three things. And, you know, although I did have, you know, people that were like, well, you know, you, you need to really think about this because these are three things that, you know, you're relying on and you don't, you know, what if the, one of those three things doesn't play out the way that you are expecting it to play out. And then you have all these things going on and, you know, my, my adopted dad always told me, he's my mentor, he always tells me, he's like, he, he always tells me, it's like, school, school teaches the lesson, and then you take the test. And he's like, life, you take the test, and then you learn the lesson. So I would say for me, that's kind of like what happened. Like, you know, I made the decision to go to college on my own, even though knowing that I would have to take out student loans and knowing that I needed to be a permanent resident if I wanted to receive any financial help uh, outside of like whatever scholarships I had qualified for. Because it was a private institution, the college did offer um, academic scholarships and I did qualify, I think it was like 50% tuition. So my tuition was cut in half to begin with. But even then it was a lot, it was like a lot <laughs> to, to, to try and go there. Uh, and do that and so and so yeah so I made a decision and I went to college and the, the plan was you know I was going to get there I didn't qualify for financial aid right away because I didn't have my citizenship or I, because I didn't have my green card at the time I only had DACA right and with DACA you still have to pay out of state tuition and obviously I was out of state so I had to pay out of state tuition and so for that first year I think um the only reason I was able to go to college, and this was another big sacrifice that came from, I guess, my dad and my mom. Um, so in 2011, my father died. Um, he died in a car accident. And so, you know, that left us with that. And I think around the time, the insurance, I think the insurance people kind of gave, you know, because of my father's death, they kind of gave us money, I guess, to compensate for it, which is like, you can't really put a price on a, on a human life, but, you know, they gave my mother some money to try and, you know, help out um, for that situation. And, and my mother actually used a lot of that to help me within that first year of college. Uh, because I didn't qualify for financial aid and so like my, my mom basically put all her eggs in one basket with me and uh and you know my goal was like all right you know they were, you know whenever I went to the lawyer they told me I would get my green card within a year and then once I have my green card then you know I'll qualify for financial aid I'll qualify for grants and so my tuition is a lot doable right that was what my understanding was and that's what my school under my school's understanding was like all right once you have this green card instead of paying 20,000, you're gonna be paying like 6,000 out of pocket, 5,000 out of pocket. And so uh, it didn't take a year for me to get my green card. And so, you know, I made it through that first semester because of the money that my mom helped me out with. And then after that first semester, that we pretty much ate up all the money that my mother helped me out with. And they were like, well, you still don't qualify for this, uh, you still don't have your, oh, I still didn't have my green card because I was in the process of getting in. I didn't qualify for 
any sort of, uh, I didn't qualify for anything at the time. And they were like, well, you got an outstanding balance. Like, you know, if you don't pay this off, you can't, you know, you can't stay here. And so like, that was like the first, I guess, obstacle that I really had to go through. And it was like right off the back of like, I made it through one semester. It was from like August, like January. Oh, wait, no, hold on. No, I'm sorry. The, the the money that my mom gave me helped me make it through the whole first year. Okay. That's what it was. It helped me make it through the whole first year. So uh, I was able to make it through the first year and then the second year. And I think I always just had a balance with the school. And I just never really paid it off. But um, but I was, like, trying to work and, uh, you know, to pay it off slowly. And then I had – um, and then I stayed there this, over the summer. So after the school was over, I stayed there over the summer and I stayed to work um, and save up money over the summer and trying to work out and use all that money to pay back into the school. Um, and all that worked out for, it, it all worked out kind of okay for that first year. But then after that first year, and as you register for classes, then that, you know, they charge you pretty much again right away. And then after that, that first year and then that first semester of the second year, after that first semester of the second year is when they were like, all right, like, you know, you just owe too much. We can't continue to come here. And, and I still didn't have my green card, even though that's what I was, wow. was going to get. It. And so because of that, um, because I, did st I didn't have my green card and I didn't have the funds to, to, to stay in school because I didn't qualify for financial aid, I had to leave or I had to stop. Well, I had to stop going to school because I couldn't enroll. I had a, uh, I had a uh, balance that was too high. This is your sophomore so, year, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, after, after the first semester of my sophomore year. Gotcha. Um, and so um, I made the decision to stay in Michigan because I was like, I'd say the one thing that kind of kept me safe through all that, um, I think, I think that there was a presentation that was done at Ashley High School where some kids from UNCW, which is the local college here in Wilmington, uh, it was from the organization called Mikasa. So they came over to the high school, and I think it was like one of the last presentations that I remember that they gave at the high school right before I left, you know, to go to college. And, you know, some of them said they were like, they were like, not everyone's journey through college is the same. They're like, you know, some people graduate early, some people graduate in four years, it's like some people take longer than that, some people even take, you know, many many years yeah. and, and and i just remember them saying vividly they're like but regardless there is a way if you just stick to it and they're like you just don't give up and like that kind of always stuck with me and then I th another thing that I'll, i keep to myself now even even now i still think about this is like i just don't want to be part of another statistic you know you know people always are always so quick to throw out statistics about like and i'd say the biggest statistic that i don't want to be part of which is one that I heard from my adopted dad, my biggest mentor. And I think from people in general that are in college, they're like, you know, people that, that go to college and they, they stop because, or they like take, what is it? Take time or take a semester off or whatever. Take time off. They don't come they back. Are, yeah. They, and they say, yeah, yeah, I'll come back. Apparently the statistic is like, incredibly high that they won't come back and they won't complete the degree and that they won't graduate mm -hmm. and i'm like 
I don't want to be part of that. And that, that's, that's something that I've always, like I told myself that from the very beginning and I've just always stuck to it. And so I kind of kept that in mind and I made the decision to not come back to North Carolina and kind of, I guess, give up. Right. And empty handed. Um, yeah. Empty handed after, you know, going through that whole first year and spending all that money. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be part of that statistic. I'm going to make sure that, you know, I do whatever is necessary. And I relate that to all of the people that were helping me in, 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 in Michigan. And, and, you know, they all saw that. They all saw that I wasn't just there to joke around. And I was like, I was serious about it. And so I stayed in Michigan. I worked out with the, you know, I tried to wrestle as much as possible at the time. But I also worked. Uh, that's when I first started working was when I was in Michigan. Uh, and so I got a job. And DACA helped me at the time, too. Remember, I still didn't have my green card so DACA definitely did help me out in those, that very first year um, whenever I decided to stay there and work. And so I decided to stay there and work. And, you know, I, I put a plan together. I was like, all right, well, I can make this much over the summer. Let's see if I can find another job and see how much of this. And I would, you know, I would, I would write out a plan of how much I could make and what amount of time. And I, you know, would sit down with the, uh, with the, um, with the financial officer at the college and, you know, we have to go over plans and, you know, would be like, all right. And it, and it was after, you know, sitting through those meetings and putting together a plan that we could be like, all right, well, this is how it's eventually going to get paid down. And we went over, all right, well, if you can make this and they're like, if you can get it down to this, they're like, we can let you back. And mm -hmm. so that was like what drove me because they didn't give up on me. And so that kind of just kind of lit a fire and allowed me to, you know, work. I worked a lot. I think I worked like two jobs at the time. I think I worked at like a Meyer, which is kind of like a grocery store. And I think I worked at a, a McDonald's. Um, and I didn't have a car. So I would like ride a bike in the snow sometimes and work outside in the snow. And, but I, I didn't really care what I had to do to make it happen. I, I just was always so focused on the end goal that the process to get there didn't really care. It didn't, it didn't really bother me, even though it sucked, you know, working, working outside in Michigan isn't, isn't the, the best thing ever. Cause you know, you have, your hands are freezing. You, you, know, you got snow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I worked outside. So I kind of had to deal with the weather and, and the hot too, you know, I, I used to push carts for a little bit there. Um, but I always kept in mind that, you know, uh, and I think it's crazy. I think that, that I can come back to this, but it's like I always kept in mind. It's like it's only it's only up from here, right? And so that was always my mentality. It can't get I any was, tougher than this. Yeah, whenever I was working, I was like, man, this is all going to be worth it eventually. And so I always kept that in mind too. Um, so yeah, and so I did that for that one year, and then you know, I was able to save up enough money over the summer working two jobs or it was a summer and a semester so it was so it was so I so I went to so I went through a whole year and then I went through a fall semester which starts in August ends in like December mm -hmm. and so I went through January all the way through the following January so yeah it was almost like a full year where I was like working and saving up money um to come back and, and make enough and so i was like you know working and just paying it working and then just 
just making making <laughs> making those payments, right? And so yeah, eventually came up with enough money to eventually and, and my mother was helping me too, man. She she was she was helping me a lot at the time and we were able to come up with enough money to uh in order for me to come back. And when I came back, I finally had my yeah, two thousand fifteen. Your green card is when I finally oh, got my man. green card. Oh, and so man. that that like those two things combined, you know, me working for one year and me getting that green card. Um, it was like it was like a blessing because not only did that allow me to pay everything down off, uh, but it made it so that when I came back, the amount that I needed to pay was doable. Mm-hmm. So it went from me having to pay twenty two thousand out of pocket to me having to pay I think it was like twelve thousand out of pocket. Which is like a pretty big difference from, you know, if you're trying to stay in school. Mm-hmm. And so and so I made it a lot doable and so I, I went to school and at the time, you know, I had more um I had uh you know, I was fine trying to find other job opportunities, you know, where I could make more money or that would allow for more flexibility because, you know, I was still trying to be involved in wrestling at the time. And so I, I did end up finding a pretty decent job at the school where, you know, they would pay, uh, they would pay part of my, they would pay rooming or a portion of my rooming costs, which rooming is actually what cost them. It's probably more, to, to live on campus was more expensive than to take the class itself. So this job really helped me out a lot for a little bit. Cause so I never lived on campus, Victor. <laughs> yeah, but then, but then, but then I made a really, and, and this is another thing, you know, another one of those lessons, right? <laughs> Learned from life. Another one. I made, I, I mean, yeah, I made a, I made a stupid, uh, I made a really bad decision and got in trouble, and so I got fired from that job that would have helped me out, you know, paying for my room. Right. So I lost that job, and that kind of sent me towards you know the set it started my journey towards the second break that i had to take because i lost that job and so because i lost that job i lost i think it was like six thousand dollars that i would have made for just having the job and that job wouldn't and that job would have still allowed me to like work other jobs because mm-hmm. it was like it was only my only job was like to be in my room and stuff and you know make it to meetings and uh, put together like things that weren't you know that difficult to do um but I, I lost that job and so then i lost out on that money so then i you know i had to figure out a way to you know that was the money that i that i didn't have and so as the following year came through you know i think i made it through another year where you know, I was still working, I was still paying as much as I could, but it just still wasn't enough, um, I think, for that whole year. And then that took me all the way till, yeah, it just took me through the second half of my sophomore year and then that first half of my junior year. So I guess, like, I, I guess I had completed a whole year and a half through that. And then by that time, um, yeah, I think by that time, I just, I still wasn't making enough money, like working over the summers and doing all that to pay for everything. And so, and so I had to leave a second time um, for that reason. And 
the second time that I left, like, I think the second time that I left, I was just like, I guess I was like going through like a pretty tough time in my life where I was like, I, I didn't think, you know, that's when, when I started doubting myself, like, it was, you know, maybe I would put myself through maybe maybe I went yeah maybe I shouldn't have done this maybe maybe this wasn't you know what I was supposed to do and and man that was like it was a really rough rough time it's like a reality <laughs> check yeah 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 and so I, I I really thought to myself and I ended up deciding like all right I guess I guess I just I'll go to what I know for sure and so I went back with family and I came back to North Carolina because I could make more money here than I could make in uh, in Michigan because wages weren't all that high. And I lived in a really small town. The job opportunities just weren't there. Um, and so I knew that coming back here to Wilmington, I, I could probably find something that was better, which I did. Um, so I came back after that second break and, you know, I worked right once again, another year, another year went by where I'm like, I haven't finished, but I always kept in mind, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back. Like, that was, that's what I told all everyone when I left. I was like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to finish what I started. Like, that was my new thing. It was like, I'm going to finish what I started. And so, you know, I came back, you know, I lived with my mom and uh, I worked. Uh, the first job I had when I came back is I worked for uh, a cell phone company called, uh, and, and I did that for a little bit. That job wasn't all that great. They didn't pay great, but it was something at the time, you know, because time is money at the time. And so I was like, I'll work with whatever I can get for now. And, then, you know, hopefully I'll find another better job later. And so after I worked at Metro for a little bit, um, then I found the job, which is where I met you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a Picasso Pond. Shout out to Picasso Pond. <laughs> so then I worked there with you for a little bit. Um, when that paid probably the most I'd ever made at working at any job. So that was good. And then, and then after that, then I had my mentor here and he gave me a job making more than I made at Picasso. And that's why I left then because then that would allow me to pay off my, uh, my school balance faster so I could go back faster. And so, you know, I saved the money and I made all that happen. And then, I think it took another, it took that one year of like, or I think it was like half a year working at Picasso and then the other half working at the, uh, I got a job at the sheriff's office here in, in uh, New Hanover County. And so then that allowed me to save up money. And then I went back. Just, I, I saved up enough money. I, you know, talked, kept in touch with the school, figured out, you know, how much money do I need to have to go finish out what I, you know, what I started. And, you know, they came, they told me that number and I was like, all right, that's, that's the number that I'm going to be aiming for. And, you know, that's where, you know, I was saving money and I was doing this and I was working. And then once I came, you know, it came up and then I made the decision. I was like, all right, let's go finish what I started. And so I went in that last, what is it, year and a half, year and a semester is what I had to do still. Um, and so I came back, I remember it was like January, 2007, 2018, probably 18. 2018. Yeah. January is when I went back and, uh, yeah, finished all the way, you know, finished that winter semester, which would have been from January to like August. And then I just did the whole year 
the whole following year, which would have been 2019. And then I graduated. <laughs> how, how did that feel after you taking us into this behemoth of a journey about yeah. quitting, not quitting, but almost quitting, uh, having to get out of college, not once, but twice, twice yeah. and then coming back twice and, and then saving up enough money, having several jobs. How did graduation feel? What was that it felt, feeling? It felt, it felt like all the struggles that I made it through, all the heartbreaks, all the times that I was thinking like, you know, why, you know, all the doubts, all the negative emotions that I had gone through, it just made it, it made it worth it for me. And I think not even just that, I think not even just, I think not even just the, 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 the whole thing about graduating, but also, I guess for me, it was bigger than that too, because I, I, I am, I am the first person in my family that has made it through college. Um, and graduated and that to me was like another big deal because who knows what uh, what generations after me will be able to accomplish if I was able to accomplish this which is like I didn't I didn't really come from much and, and, and to now be you know part of uh, not to be a first generation graduate student it's, it makes me very proud but it also it also reminds me that if you put your mind to something like it, it can be done. Mm -hmm. And if you just surround yourself around the right people, and if, if you believe, then it, it can be done. And, and, and I think I, I always remember that and I'll be, and I always try to apply that because even now I have, you know, once I accomplish that, then for me, you know, I took some time off where I was just like, you know, just relaxing and not doing much but that now I have new aspirations new goals of things that I want to do and I'm just it's like a rinse and repeat you know like all right I made that goal so now I need to find something to aim towards and so I can get to it and there's things that I have to do to get there and so that's what I'm trying to continue now mm -hmm. which my goal now is to uh, become an officer in the Marine Corps mm. And, and I think that'll, that'll open up more doors for me in the future. Right. So you are a CrossFit instructor. Mm -hmm. uh, you work for a financial group? Uh, yeah, I work for an insurance firm. So okay. it's called the Innovative Financial Group. They, they're what's called an IMO, mm -hmm. which if I understand correctly, so they are, they provide insurance services to like agents and right. they kind of help them they kind of help them with the whole insurance process so like getting their certifications so they can sell insurance you know doing the underwriting um you know helping them you know with the appointment setting and things like that so i kind of you know i work as an it administrator with that so i kind of help give access to the right people to the right software with that right and then you work for the marines as well right you yes. work for the government yes I also right. how was that workout you told me was it a brutal workout that you guys ended up doing or was which it one which one uh on i believe one you told me it was the for the, for the birthday yeah for, for the, the birthday. yeah for, for the marine corps birthday 
yeah, so what we ended up doing was uh, it was just a lot of running actually. Oh, I, love I think that. that's what I think that's what it was <laughs> that made it made it tough. So we did uh, or or we ended up doing like a what was it uh, it was it was just a lot of four hundred meter sprints. Okay. And then we did some two hundred meter sprints, but it was it was just a lot of sprints, man. Yeah. And those those suck once you you know once you do once you do a certain amount. <laughs> yes. We did we did a, we did a lot of sprints that morning. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I I, I like I like sprints. Send me that workout. Send me that workout. And I'll and I'll do it. Uh, okay. Um. I guess oh, I yeah. Have... I'm gonna I'm gonna be running a workout on. Well, I was supposed to be running a workout on Thursday, but it was right. raining, so it got canceled. Okay. But I am running workout Tuesday. I can send it to you, but you might not like it. Yeah, send it. Uh -huh. well, actually, 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 it's not going to work. It's, well, I, it could work. It's a partner workout. You would just have to pretend you have a partner. <laughs> I'll find <laughs> one. I'll find one. If you're going to find one, go for it. Yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you. Yeah, we're, um, we're getting together Sunday, I think. All my friends are coming over. My friend from England's coming over and, uh, we're in a pickup game, so I have to have a good workout before soccer? I go in there. Yeah, soccer pickup game. Uh, I miss soccer, dude. We have. Uh, I was. I actually had just recently reconnected with an old friend of mine, or I guess we weren't even really friends. We were just more like acquaintances. <laughs> we played, or we played high school soccer at the same time. So he went to a neighboring school, which is New Hanover, and I went to Ashley. But I was like. Um, you know, we play we we play against each other sometimes. So he would see me, or he would play. I think he might have started a couple games where you know I played against him, and so because of that, um, he just always knew me through that. And so um, he lives in Charlotte, which is where my drill you know drill station was, which is where I started going. And and when I first showed up, I didn't have anywhere to stay, so he allowed me to stay at his house. Mm. Um, and uh, and yeah, and, and, you know, we got to talking a little bit about, you know, how much we miss soccer. And he's like, man, he's like, yeah, I wish I could still play. He's like, he's like, and then, and then that led to another discussion about, you know, athletics and kind of like the positive impact that they have, because, you know, for him, it was soccer mm -hmm. and even soccer for me, it, it, it played a big role into like fostering the type of individual that I am now. And, and I think the broader picture is like just sports in general, because, it's because of soccer that I met some like some of the most influential people and the best people that I know um, in my life, and you know wrestling was just like a different one. And I too once again met a lot of really good and influential people in my life that you know kind of always pushed me to be the best uh, possible version of myself. And so, right. uh, but but I think more than anything, we were just talking kind of tied to what you're talking about. Like you just always talk about you know how much we've missed being on the field or, you know, I'd say more than anything for me, it's that feeling of being under the lights and then, you know, you have, you know, it's nighttime and, you know, you got a tough game ahead of you and, you know, you're trying to win and you got your, you know, your fans in the stands. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's much else that can top that. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, it's like a reunion. So, um, that's, that's pretty cool. It is. I want to. I want to see everybody. I haven't seen a lot of people lately. But um, I'm happy mentioned... I get to see you, even though it's virtually. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> sure. Um, 
I have one last question for you. Um, you, through this process, you've mentioned your parents and specifically your mom after uh, your father passed away. What will you tell your mom through this process and that you finally are through with everything, you know, that it got bad, you went down, you got up. What will you tell your mom um, if, you've had, if she was in front of you right now with, with everything that happened where you are on in your life, what will you tell her? I think I've already told her this many times. Um, if you look at, so whenever I graduated, um, I bought this plaque and there's like, they give you, it gives you the option to write on it, like anything that you want. And I wrote on there, uh, I might not remember exactly what it was, but it was, it was something along the lines that like, you know, I, I, and I said this to her too, whenever I gave it to her, I was like, I was like, Mom, you have always taught me that with hard work, you can accomplish anything you set your mind to. And to this day, she still tells me that. And I would always say that because of her example, or thanks that I'm, I'm super grateful for her example of hard work, because that because that example always pushes me beyond what I think I can do. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I would just, I would, I would say thank you. And I would say that, that she has been the most supportive person in my entire life. And that I hope that one day I can repay her for all the sacrifice that she has done and continues to do today. Um, and yeah, I would just, I would just say that. Thank you for sharing. Again, it's such a, to me, just such an inspirational, you're an inspirational human being. Like I've said this before, not only are you a, great athletes that kicks my butt in, in every workout that we, we work out. <laughs> uh, you're an amazing human being and your story is just, I, I just can't imagine walking with one shoe through the deserts for weeks. I can't imagine that. And the way that you take these experiences with you, you're taking them in a, in a very healthy and positive and almost like in a way to grow. You know, because you could be the opposite. You could be resentful. You can be mad. Uh, you can do all these things. Uh, you can have quit. You could have stopped. You can't be like, yeah, I graduated. You know, that's it. But it seems like you have goals and goals and goals to keep going. And you're not done. You know, like you're, no. you're, you're, this is like you started. In the beginning, you know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I appreciate your your conversation, man. I, uh, Absolutely, man. As always, is a anytime, pleasure. Anytime, anytime. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you Thanks, for the Victor. invitation. See you, Luis. <laughs>